Hi, everyone, and welcome to Inspired Investing. I'm your host, Claire Gola, Head of Foundation and Institutional Advisory at Bernstein. This podcast is where we strive to connect and share insights with listeners like you who are engaged in the nonprofit and broader philanthropy sector or who just want to learn more. Amid the national reckoning on racial injustice, a nonprofit aptly named HBCUVC has doubled its budget and team, and it's tripled its impact by expanding programming in three new cities. They've done this all by using a unique model that differs from traditional venture capital funding. They actually offer non-dilutive capital, leading some folks to liken them to teaching hospitals that provide up-and-coming doctors with a venue to hone their craft before making their formal debut. Today, I'd like to share a fascinating conversation between my colleague, James Seth Thompson, who happens to lead our diverse market strategy, and three professionals connected with this incredible, innovative nonprofit leader. I'm happy to welcome three special guests to join me today as part of this conversation. First, I'd like to welcome Jason Miner, previously an investor and now head of partnerships at HBCUVC. HBCUVC is a nonprofit increasing racial diversity in venture capital. Jasa is a proud graduate of University of Hawaii, as well as an attendee of Howard University in Washington, D.C. You'll also hear from Brantley Fulton. Brantley is a self-described sustainable supply chain enthusiast. I love it. Can't wait to dig into that. Uh, he is the CEO and co-founder of Lamar Inc. He is a lab fund founder to HBCUVC and the entrepreneur in residence at Remus Capital. Brantley attended Morehouse College as a PhD from the University of Oregon. The other person you'll hear from is Treasure Doll. She is a Spelman College student and HBCUVC fellow, co-leading the Black Venture Capital Consortium. She's looking forward to an internship this summer at Serena Ventures. Congratulations, Treasure, and we'll dig into that as well. I really want to start with you, Jasa. One, I'd like to talk a little bit about the mission of HBCUVC. But also, I love this tag that I see resonate throughout the organization, and that is that nothing is stronger than a community investing itself. Uh, and I'd like that to be the theme for the conversation today, given the work you and your organization are doing, and certainly um, benefactors like Brantley and Treasure. So how about we start with you just giving um, the audience an overview uh, on the mission of HBCUVC? Absolutely. Thank you so much, James. It's such a pleasure to be here with you today, as well as with Brantley and Treasure. I want to kick off with what you were saying about HBCUVC and the work that we're doing. So we are dedicated to bringing more Black and Brown investors into the venture capital ecosystem. We are wholly focused on giving them the education, the resources, the opportunities, and the access to be able to have check writing roles in these institutions and to be empowered to go beyond that and start their own funds. And we are providing them with the steps and the vehicles so that we can be involved with them throughout the entirety of their careers. So I am fairly new. I am one month into my role here. Super excited to be part of the team. Congrats. Um, thank you. Thank you. Very passionate about the work that's being done. As you mentioned prior to this, I was working as a venture capital investor for a VC fund, um, also in a family office capacity. So I had the opportunity to invest explicitly in black and brown founders. 
men and women across both consumer and technology sectors and really got to see the highs and the lows of what fundraising looks like for black and brown entrepreneurs and also on the other side of the table, what it means to be the black investor on the cap table, um, both on cap tables where you have diversity and you have other people at the table who look like you and when you are the only black investor at the table and how to navigate the nuances of, of those type of situations. I didn't have HBCU VC when, when I started my career. So I experienced a lot of challenges of breaking in the door and I'm really excited to be in a position now where I can um, bring those issues to the surface and be able to have an active role in bringing solutions to the table. Yeah. And so that active role is under this title of, of head of partnerships. Correct. So as head of partnerships, I am taking ownership of the supporters and the, the relationships that we have as far as people who contribute both financially and with their time and their resources to the organization. We partner with VC funds of all sizes to place interns in their organizations over a, a six to, to 10 week period, depending on the program. And we give the, the interns an opportunity to work directly with the general partners at these VC funds. And so I'm responsible for bringing more VC funds into that ecosystem, bringing more corporate partners in to support the work that we're doing. And then also leveraging these relationships at a deeper level to understand how there can be more engagement amongst the partners themselves. How can we engage these partners with HBC leadership directly so that the entire ecosystem is able to flourish collectively rather than working in silos. I'm really excited to be able to hone in on the, the type of relationships that we think will be critical to taking, taking our mission to new heights. No, that's great. I mean, it's definitely very necessary. I actually love the internship perspective of this. So, you know, can't wait to talk to two of the benefactors of the efforts of HBCVC. I do want to ask one more question before I jump to Brantley, just to tie into what I said maybe a couple of minutes ago. This idea of nothing is stronger than a community investing in itself. Is that a core tenet of HBCU VC? And what does that mean to you personally? Community is one of the pillars of the work that we do. And we look to facilitate it in, in all of the stakeholders that we have engaged in the work that we do. So within the fellow community, we're very, very adamant about giving the fellows opportunities to connect with one another and to leverage their experiences to build together. We recently had our spring summit a couple of weeks ago where we brought the previous classes and the current class of fellows together alongside our partners, alongside the entrepreneurs in our ecosystem, alongside external stakeholders who are excited about the work that we do and wanted to have an opportunity to be in front of our community. So by creating events and touch points like this, we, we create opportunities. For example, one of our previous fellows was a moderator for one of the sessions and the speaker that he was um, holding the conversation with ended up offering to sponsor the, the podcast that our fellow has. And so we create these type of opportunities for our fellows to be able to engage deeper with the, the sponsors and the other participants in our community. And just in venture capital in general, community is so important for Black and Brown investors and founders alike because, like I said, in a lot of cases, you're the only person in the room who is able to represent your experience and able to bring to surface your challenges and the unique difficulties that come with creating equity in this space. And so when you have community in this industry in particular, it, it makes you feel like you're not alone. And when we talk about retention in this space, 
um, that's an area of focus that we're now looking at with HBCUBC. How do we continue to support these investors and these entrepreneurs as they start their own funds, as they move into transaction opportunities with their companies? And that comes from being able to, to continue to hone in on working together. It's a very special way to, to pay it forward. You know, I think about one thing specifically and entrepreneurs, certainly those of color who find success in their ideas, eventually become like these wealth creators for their community and families, but they are typically, for the most part, first generation wealth creator. So I think it's important for people to recognize the role venture capital opportunities play in creating the next wave, the future of first generation wealth creators. But what I love about the work you're doing is the experience, filling in some of those unknowns and those gaps where maybe Brantley and Treasure at some point was in a position where they were like, I don't know what I don't know, right? And having the infrastructure, the people, the HBCU VCs of the world there to help fill in some of those gaps and address some of the unknowns, I think is really important. Brent, I'm going to turn to you. You and your co-founder were lab fund recipients last summer um, through HBCUVC. And so why don't you start, one, talking a little bit about your company, but also tie in for us how that experience changed things for you and how you think that experience will change things for up-and-coming entrepreneurs. Yes. So just to kind of give a spill, uh, so Lamar, we're a smart packaging company in the cold chain space. So Products, uh, whether they're pharma goods like vaccines or perishable or frozen foods, we track their temperature and location from manufacturer all the way to that final destination. And so, you know, really it's about uh, the movement and tracking of goods. And, you know, a question that we really began to ask ourselves was, you know, how can we entrust or ensure that the best goods are reaching our communities, communities of color? If we don't have access to where they begin, you know, how they arrive at our hospitals, how they arrive uh, at our grocery stores. So, you know, for us, that's kind of one of the questions we really want to answer um, in the space. For the work that we were doing, we had actually submitted a grant last year during the pandemic around delivery of COVID-19 vaccines. And we were awarded grant by HBCUVC uh, for this work. And that really actually opened a lot of doors because that kickstarted in a lot of ways our uh, raising capital cycle. And, you know, I think we really appreciate, you know, that it came from within, you know, from our HBCU uh, community. You know, as a, as a Morehouse alum, I'm always uh, kind of hitting up <laughs> older uh, Morehouse alums, you know, begging them, you know, for dollars, you know, or really trying to get them interested um, and investing in what we're doing, but also having that conversation about investment. At the same time, uh, when we received that grant award, we actually had four interns uh, that were working uh, remote with us. And it meant so much for us, I think, as a company. And during that time, you know, in the pandemic where, you know, a lot of these students didn't have any opportunities. A lot of their own internships had been canceled or pushed back. And so giving that kind of access to students, I think they really... Uh, appreciated that um, during that time. And it just means so much for us to be right in the middle of the venture capital position where, you know, we have the company, we want to uh, pull in dollars from our community. But, you know, with this goal or this intent of employing a workforce of those that are coming out of our HBCU universities and, uh, you know, students who, who come from communities of colors, um, that workforce development is really uh, important to us. And so 
HBCU VC, I think, has really been a vessel and a, a vehicle for us to help us push that as a mission. HBCU VC, in a sense, came to the rescue for you, right? I mean, you had ideas and, and you needed that organization and their infrastructure to help you forward. What was the experience before that? Did you have specific issues and challenges uh, getting that type of intellectual capital and property and accessing people? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I would say I, I'm, I'm in somewhat of a unique position where, you know, I have a good network, I would say, just, you know, based on people that I went to graduate school or, you know, I might know in certain industries. But I would say, you know, the conversations around the actual access to capital, you know, and raising capital, um, you know, they still there's still a kind of a, a gap in, you know, when you come from communities like ours versus, you know, the traditional or the historical uh, venture capital, you know, Silicon Valley world. And so, you know, you might even have friends who work in that space or, you know, who live in that environment and it's still a somewhat of a gap in terms of conversation. You know, I always say to build a fire, you start small and, you know, as with anything, that first grant that we got from HBCU VC, that actually turned around and led to the investment from Remus Capital. And I took on that entrepreneur in residence role, you know, shortly after that. And, you know, then we were able to get press. One of my favorite uh, authors is uh, Malcolm Gladwell. And, you know, he has this idea kind of a blink where, uh, you know, you never want to miss that moment. Mm -hmm. You never notice how, you know, the most simple conversation, something can happen that snowballs into something else, into something else. And that momentum for startups is so important because, you know, that's the energy that really takes you, you know, on, on the journey. Yeah, that's the takeoff point. Um, I want to come back to you because I want to focus on the intentionality that's embedded in your business plan and the things that you're trying to create through this supply chain effort. But I do want to jump to you, Treasure. You're still in college, right? You've had a lot of professional experience and opportunities. Obviously, you're connected to these efforts through HBCU VC. Just spend a little bit of time just kind of talking us through your experience so far, some of your aspirations and how the organization is helping to kind of close some of those gaps and and propel you forward. Yeah. So my experiences through HBCU VC have kind of been all over the place, really allowed you to choose your own path and really just be the boss of like your own reality. And um, I've had experiences with Gucci as a scholar for their program with scholars. I was a summer analyst for Hyde Park Venture Partners. And um, basically like my aspirations and goals, it actually changed recently. I thought I was gonna go into VC like immediately post-grad, but I told myself, how am I gonna tell someone what's wrong with their companies if I've never ran a company myself? So with that perspective, I went into this event, South by Southwest. I got to go to that through OHUB and they had a partner there called FlowHub and they create software for cannabis brands. And I didn't even know like that was a thing. Like I knew like the cannabis industry was big and booming, but I started just networking like crazy after like that, like stalking people on LinkedIn, finding all the mentors on South by Southwest, asking OHUB for FlowHub's contact. And I realized like this is a space that I wanna work in because just like venture capital, there's inequities in the space. Like 99% of dispensary owners are white. And that sounds quite similar to um, venture capital. So basically what I'm trying to do with my career is I want to work for a multi-state operator post-grad. Then I want to work for a publicly traded company. And then I want to go into venture capital focusing on consumer goods. 
So where are you on that journey? I assume you've had some really good experiences. I'm pretty sure you're ahead a little bit along the way. Share with us some of the ups and downs, even as a college student, as you move forward. Oh, yeah. So speaking of where I am on the journey, I'm actually at a pit stop, a little bit of a detour. Um, So (laughs) right now, I'm actually trying to start a sustainable um, luxury handbag business. I'll get to that in a second. But in regards to the up and downs, that is a really good question. So having to go through your whole junior year of college virtually is an experience. And I would say that's where all the up and downs really like reside is just with the pandemic. And just realizing like the fluctuating like levels of like quality of education and how that's impacting my college experience and things like that. But adversity is no stranger to me. So I just take those things in stride. And I would say one of the ups is like, I was able to be a co-founder of a company through HBCU VC. They did a Techstars um, pitch competition at North Carolina Central University. So that was a great experience. I was able to meet like crazy people from all over like, the United States that are passionate about the same things as me. Another up I would say is like, literally I made it through sophomore year, like the last semester when we had the pandemic. And that was like one of my goals was just literally just to make it. And like, I'm really proud of it. And when people ask me like, what's your proudest accomplishment? And I was like, I made it through sophomore year. <laughs> I'm just like, you don't understand. That's when the pandemic just started and I could not see the light at the end of the tunnel. But I would say, yeah, those are some of the ups and downs. So Jason, as a former VC investor and obviously now part of this new organization, I have to imagine the Brantley story and the treasure story warms your heart, right? Is this exactly what you hope to hear and how you hope to get partners um, aboard to help hear more of these stories and, and try to participate in these paths? Absolutely. I think the best way to convey to your audience the work that we're doing is by telling these stories and sharing these experiences. Brantley was speaking about the the lab fund earlier. That is one of our newest initiatives where we were able to receive over a million dollars in in funding to create a philanthropic vehicle to provide non-dilutive funding for black and brown founders. And within that realm, we're focusing on HBCU affiliated black and brown founders, 50%, and that staff as well as students and alumni. And then the other 50% are black and brown founders who come from any university affiliation. So being able to create something like that and execute in the midst of what Treasure mentioned, you know, a whole pandemic and provide a substitute or to be able to, to further enhance the family and friends round for these entrepreneurs. In a lot of cases, it doesn't exist at all. So we're able to to be a bridge to capital. And that's the way that I, I see the work that we're doing at HBCUBC. We are a bridge between students and investors, a bridge between investors and HBCUs. And we want to continue to deepen that role to extend to the community of individuals who want to see this type of work happen, as well as be a bridge to corporations and other institutions that are invested in a more equitable venture capital and investment ecosystem. Brantley, you've seen some of the benefits of this journey. Do you feel like you're a North Star for people? If so, how do you how do you wear that North Star jacket? How do you bring that into you personally and professionally? And how do you try to rise to the occasion for others? 
that, that's an interesting question. I, you know, in, in some uh, ways, you know, you do kind of feel uh, like that. You know, when I was finishing graduate school, you know, many of my uh, my colleagues and my peers, you know, they went on to to take, you know, industry jobs at Intel, Nike, HP, you know, well-established companies, very high-paying jobs, et cetera. You know, for myself, I really thought that creating something was really important to me and I was really passionate about that. And then, you know, with you know, my co-founder, uh, Michael Coutrere, you know, we went to college together and, you know, we actually started uh, this company. I was still in graduate school, you know, at, at the time. And so wanting to create something that had value and, you know, something that we could pass along of future generations within our own families and, you know, be able to bring our families to the table, um, you know, as even uh, investors was something that was really important. Uh, to us, you know, as we were building, we really created it on the inside and we started, you know, <laughs> small. And for us, uh, because we do have that foundation, I think we're able to take on the bumps in the road and the and the bruises that come along with it. Because, I mean, it's, it's certainly not easy to be an entrepreneur. You know, you don't hear a, uh, a shortage of no's, you know, but it only takes one yes, uh, to really turn the course for your company. And, you know, it could, you know, change the course for, for your life. You know, we don't play for the no's, you know, we play for the yeses. And, but we're so patient about the journey and the process that, you know, you're building it the whole time. There's never one day where you look up and, you know, you were successful. Uh, I didn't get my PhD in a, in a day. It was, it took a lot of failed experiments. <laughs> you know, when I introduced you, I used this quote, sustainable supply chain enthusiast. One of the things you and I touched on when we first spoke was how to use your company, Lamar, to, to pay it forward for other Black, Brown, Indigenous, Latinx innovators. Um, what does that look like? Is that supply chain? Is that being very intentional about who you hire, who you partner with? For us... It's really around, uh, you know, connected devices. So, you know, how can I have a sensor that's in the field and, you know, maybe that's on a, in our case, on a package, but, you know, it's given us this data back that we're able to get, you know, real-time analytics on. So they're almost like nanomachines. For us, I think in terms of hiring and, uh, you know, representation, you know, it was really important for us to have uh, interns of color, uh, you know, that represented Latino, Asian. One, one of the women, you know, she's from uh, Panama. Uh, you know, we had a kid from Morehouse. Our attorneys uh, went to Morehouse. Uh, that was very intentional for us, for us to want to build it, you know, with, within uh you know, our uh, community specifically. We pride ourselves in that. Um, we'll continue in that space to lead by example. Uh, Geo is who made our, you know, both our pitch deck as well as our website. And, you know, he's an HBCU VC affiliate and, you know, he's a student at Norfolk State. And so for us, you know, immediately, while we're still raising money ourselves, we were able to take the money that we raised and while we're still struggling and directly circulate our dollars right back into our community by, you know, hiring the student, you know, to do our website, you know, as well as our deck. And so, you know, we're forever going to be committed to those types of opportunities. I'm so excited to see kind of someone like Treasure and uh, just what's happening around the AUC now in terms of both VC as well as entrepreneurship where, you know, it was never a limit uh, on talent or ideas. People in our communities just need the capital. You know, you mentioned some great points there. And Treasure, I think, you know, when we 
spoke as well. You had a great vision board, right? For what you want this journey to look like, not just today, but tomorrow and, and even after that. We already know, you know, VC is needed to, to help entrepreneurs access capital. But I believe you have um, a great perspective or your own personal goals with respect to this kind of creating generational wealth for you and just being part of your pathway to create opportunities for your generations to come. Talk a little bit about that fire. You know, where do you want to be and how is this pushing you there? What's your end game? Yeah, so that's a wonderful question. I kind of want to preface that by like talking more about what role do I see venture capital um, with generational wealth. And I would view it from a very chemical reaction standpoint and a sense of like it's a catalyst. Um, meaning like, you know, a substance that increases the rate of a chemical reaction without itself undergoing any change. And I would say that last part without itself going through any chemical change is very similar to venture capital as a whole. Venture capital as a whole probably won't change anytime soon if we rely on the system that purposely leaves us out. But we can change this by creating um, more Black investors and through storytelling, right? The reason why the space remains so white is through storytelling. Like, you can empathize with someone if you relate to them. So there actually needs to be a change of face to be a change of fate. And also, another thing I'll say is venture capital can change Black ecosystems greatly. And that's why I want to stay in the space. And I would say, like, what's my end goal? That is a really big question. I feel like I know what's my midway goal, but I haven't seen like <laughs> above that hill. Like I'm just like getting to the top of the hill. So I don't even know what's beyond that. It could be more hills or it could just be like a paradise or it could just be something I never saw coming. But if I were to guess, I would say I want to be an LP, I think, at the end of the day. Like I would love to like fund other funds that are rooted in the same passions or verticals that I'm interested in, like sustainability, consumer goods, SaaS, marketplaces, things of that nature. Because like, I want to give somebody a chance, like someone gave me a chance and believe in their story. One of my favorite things about the, the fellowships and the programs that we have is the fact that we enable our fellows to have the opportunity to deploy capital to black and brown founders through the lab fund. The founders serve on the investment team. They work with a, a committee of seasoned investors who guide their investment decisions. So we're really taking over the entire life cycle of, of an investment and of a deal in being able to do this work in a way that is non-dilutive. So the ownership and the equity remains with the founder. And so holistically, this represents what I want to see. I'm very intentional about using my career as a, a catalyst, to use the same word treasure use, as a catalyst for generational wealth. So when I think about venture capital, I'm thinking about it in terms of equity, in terms of, of justice. And so seeing the, the work that Brantley's doing and that Treasure has been able to have the success that she's had before she's even you know, gotten out of school, I, I know that the process is working. And so I want to do my part to get more partners involved to share these stories and be able to drive scale, which is what I know about from the work that I've done. So I'm going to throw a general question out there and anyone can jump in. Where does the future of innovation lie? Ooh, I love that question. I would say in frustration and adversity. Like 
I don't think we're pissed off enough to shake up things yet. And I mean that like in regards to like the important like issues that are going on, like climate change, the UN sustainable development goals and et cetera. I think innovation lies in emotion and feelings that have a negative connotation, believe it or not. Amazing answer. <laughs> I would uh, piggyback on that. And, you know, I wrestle with this uh, question as well. And I think Treasure kind of hit it on the head. You know, the, uh, the next real entrepreneurs are social entrepreneurs. The next billionaire entrepreneurs are social entrepreneurs, right? Really solving these high level, hard to deal with people problems. And I think we actually already even seen it happen right at the end of the day. You know, you look at someone like Elon Musk. He's a social entrepreneur, um, you know, putting uh, the power behind, you know, this mission to get people to Mars. Right. This planet, you know, is not in condition for us. You know, how do we get to this next step or solving the problem around pollution with cars? Right. And Tesla first came out of that, you know, gas fuel and uh, climate change, you know, and the missions we're putting in the air, you know. Uh, you know, he was really pissed off at how traditional automakers thought, how traditional space companies thought. And, you know, it was a certain people power behind brands like Tesla and SpaceX that really allowed him to excel that way. And I'm really excited for the future because I think, you know, in terms of social entrepreneurship that, uh, you know, to put it bluntly, uh, black people, we're uniquely positioned to take advantage of that. Just through, through um, you know, what we've overcome, you know, just our history in America. And so I think we're going to see, you know, a rise of black entrepreneurs in America, specifically in you know, a way that we've never uh, seen before. It's going to be because they're solving people problems. I, I agree 100 percent. Right. I think the future of innovation is around solving people problems. And it takes a great deal of great minds it takes a diversity of people, but it also takes the unique experiences, right? And to your point, going back to this idea that HBCUVC exists to help Black, you know, Indigenous, Latinx innovators kind of be those social entrepreneurs and change agents, um, I think it's something that we have to continue to invest in. I want to have the last segment here just kind of be a call to action or a specific ask. And, and with that, Jace, I want to start with you as head of partnerships for HBCU VC. What call to action or ask do you have um, of our listeners and, and, and those who are engaged in this dialogue on a regular basis? Absolutely. So I have two that I want to focus on. First, I'd like to highlight that we've recently released a book called Black Founders at Work. So if you want to learn more about the mission that we are pursuing and the people who we are supporting in the, the journeys that they're on as entrepreneurs, please check that out. It will be available soon directly from the HBCUBC website, but currently it is available on Amazon. So that would be my first call to action. Secondly, I would like to encourage um, <clears throat> members of your community to, to reach out and, and learn more about the work that we're doing right now. From a partnership perspective, we have, we have pathways for people to be involved individually in our donor circle, as well as from an organization or an institution corporation level. And so I would love to have that conversation, um, whether you are seeking to support us in general, or if you have a specific um, mandate that you're looking to fill for a particular sector in the space or for a particular university. Um, I'm looking to connect people. I, I say that I introduce people to each other for a living sometimes and 
<laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> what happens is, is, you know, the the impact and the the initiatives that come out of that work that really makes it fulfilling. I would say, reach out to us, talk to us, let's start a conversation. You know, learn how you can take on championing one of our ecosystems, or how you can work directly um, with our investment committee, or how you can contribute to the lab fund so that we can go from 1 million to 5 million to 10 million. Like I said, my vision is around scaling the work that I'm doing with HBCVC. So I'd like to welcome anyone in your network to join that conversation. Awesome. Thank you, Jason. Um, Brantley? Yes, I think, um, you know, one of mine, I was looking at this uh, statistic actually earlier uh, this morning where I was looking at the endowment at Morehouse College, 250 million. The endowment at MIT is $18.4 billion. And so, <laughs> you know, in changing the narrative behind all of this, you know, my call to action is, you know, A is I would like for, uh, you know, HBCU alums, you know, definitely invest in your institutions. But how do we grow the endowment, right, of our institutions and invest it properly the way that schools like MIT or you know, UCLA or Stanford are doing, you know, it's like <laughs> when you look up MIT's endowment online, it's almost like a publicly traded company, right? It's like they yeah. show you charts, how it increases, you know, year over year. And those kind of things, you know, we're, we're just scratching the surface of that, right? Inside of our institutions, like, you know, no one talks about the endowment at Morehouse College or, you know, Hampton or, you know, Howard University or how to grow it or how the community can come together, right, and and help grow it. And so for, you know, many of the things that we want to do, I think, in terms of uh, growing the VC space, it really starts there because, you know, MIT, they have a venture arm. You know, Stanford has a venture arm where it only and solely invests, right, in Stanford alums and students. And, you know, we talk about generational wealth and how do we have a system that keeps giving, you know, how are we able to take our endowments and directly uh, invest them right back in, into yeah. students that are, that are entrepreneurs with great ideas and or uh, alums of, of, of those colleges. Yeah, a very ready theme throughout a lot of the conversations is to give back and pay it forward. And yes, it's great to have the HBCU VCs of the world, but if we empowered our other institutions that educate majority of students of color who are the future of entrepreneurship and venture capital investing, that was one hell of a way to put a bow on something that I know that's um, really important to you. So thanks for that perspective. Treasure to you. Yeah, so I don't know what day it is for all the people resting now or listening right now, but it's the weekend for me. And I just want to tell like all the people of color, just rest. Like I wish somebody would have told me that, but like after years of being oppressed, all we deserve to do is rest. And I think that's the best call to action because like we have such a battle ahead of us. So just take a rest right now when you can. And then also another thing, another call to action, this might be a little selfish of me, but please reach out to me if you want to learn more about my sustainable luxury handbag business. I would appreciate any help, any perspectives that I can get. And then um, also my last call to action would be for the non-POC people listening. I would say the best way to eliminate bias is by eliminating pedigree. So I would just embody that with every work that you do. So pedigree, I mean like grades, institutions, things like that that are attached to people that really 
set everyone else behind. Wow. I, I don't even know what to say to that. I think that is some of the, the best bits of input and recommendations we've had on this podcast. I, I appreciate that. Jace, I want to thank you for bringing this conversation to the table. Uh, definitely for introducing me, my firm, the audience to, to Brantley and Treasure. Uh, Brantley, thanks for being a North Star for so many. Right. And uh, and really wearing that jacket, you know, I think uh, living by example is some of the best contributions you can make. And Trezor, I salute you for all of the things you're doing as a student, <laughs> encouraging me to rest. You know, I think a lot of times we we respond in a very urgent way to the grind. Right. But we also have to be mindful of the, the mind, body and spirit. So. I appreciate that. Good luck with everything. And I want to thank all of you. This is a very important conversation. Again, entrepreneurship, venture capital, especially for underrepresented groups and people of color, is one of the most critical paths to building and sustaining generational wealth. So I appreciate all of you for bringing your perspectives and experiences to the table. Thank you so much, James. This has been an incredible opportunity. I'm glad that we were able to be in a room together, even if it is virtually. Appreciate the work that you're doing. We'll take it on the road soon, as soon as we can. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you all for listening. If you'd like to learn more about Bernstein's Foundation and Institutional Advisory Services, please see the link to our blogs in this episode's description. If you enjoyed this episode and you haven't subscribed to our podcast yet, please go to the iTunes store, Google Play, or wherever you listen to podcasts to subscribe and rate us. Also, please email us with your thoughts, questions, and feedback to insights at Bernstein.com. And be sure to find us on Twitter at BernsteinPWM. Thanks, everyone. Bernstein, making money meaningful for individuals, families, and foundations for over 50 years. Visit us at Bernstein.com.